Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Nacho Monreal. You are listening to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Mesut is in here. Beautiful goal. Walcott. What a goal. It's been flicked in by Alexis Sanchez. A quality goal from the Gunners. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Weekly Podcast for Monday, August the 15th. I'm Russell Hargreaves. Coming up over the course of the next few minutes, we'll hear from the Arsenal left-back Nacho Monreal. John Cross, the football writer for the Daily Mirror, joins us as our Arsenal insider. And of course, we're back to the chalkboard with our very own analyst, Adrian Clark. But as ever, let's kick off with the weekend review. For just the second time in 15 years, Arsenal lost against Liverpool on home soil. The match burst into life on 30 minutes when Theo Walcott was felled by Alberto Moreno, the Liverpool left-back. And Theo got up but saw his penalty saved. Theo Walcott to put Arsenal a goal to the good just before the half-hour. Can he score? Oh, it's a good stop from Mignolet. He guesses right. Simon Mignolet denies Theo Walcott and we're back level at 0-0 where we were never 1-0. Well, England striker Walcott did not let that affect his confidence and just two minutes later, 70 seconds to be precise, he made it 1-0. On another field, Walcott went down. He picked the ball up and took the spot kick. This is Bairding looking to come forward. But Liverpool have managed to win it back. But by my records, I think that's the first penalty that Theo Walcott has taken. Here he is again, Theo Walcott! Yes! yes! He makes amends in finding the corner and after seeing his penalty save just two minutes later Theo Walcott does score and Arsenal lead by a goal to nil Now in what proved to be a decisive moment in the game on the stroke of half time Liverpool's Brazilian star Felipe Coutinho scored this wonderful free kick Coutinho will be hoping maybe to conjure something spectacular here we've seen him hit some brilliant free kicks in his time in England the former Inter midfielder Firmino just moves away. Henderson's having a look as well. Moreno likewise, but surely this is going to be Coutinho's. Is he going to go for goal or just dink it inside the box? It is going to go for goal. That's a brilliant hit and a fantastic strike from Coutinho. And he added on time. It is 1-1, unstoppable. 
Heading into the second half, the momentum was clearly with Jurgen Klopp's Reds, who scored twice in the opening ten minutes of that second period. Full of confidence after a really good pre-season, but Liverpool coming forwards here over on that left-hand side. Chip back in, Lallana will take it down. Can he finish? He can! Lallana, brilliantly taken. Liverpool have the advantage. Q wild celebrations from Jurgen Klopp just in front of us here. Brilliantly taken down and a smart finish. Klein on the right-hand side looking to run and Nacho Monreal, it's still Klein. He does get the cross in. Oh, it's another! Brilliant finish. Continue it was that finished inside the Arsenal penalty area. That's another for the Brazilian here. Another for Liverpool. And Arsenal won. Liverpool three. And let's be honest, the game was pretty much over ten minutes later when Sadio Mane, Liverpool's new signing from Southampton, scored another brilliant goal. This is Mane breaking forward, though, for uh, Liverpool. He gets away from Chambers, still going inside the penalty area. Great run, great hit, brilliant goal. Oh, you have to say, that is sensational from Sadio Mane. And Liverpool have got a fourth, and we are mentioning that stat. And this is all going wrong for the Gunners on day one. Game over, or so we thought. Back came Arsenal seconds later. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain come off the bench and scored straight from kickoff. Is the tormentor one, tormentor once again? This is Oxlade-Chamberlain has pulled one back from absolutely nothing. Well, how on earth did that sneak in? Oxlade-Chamberlain has beaten two men and then threaded it into the near post. Simon Mignolet won't want to see that one again. I don't mind seeing it again because the deficit is just two. On the back of the Ox, young defender Callum Chambers set up a grandstand finish with a deft glancing header. And it comes from Cazorla, decent delivery, and the flick has gone in! It is 4-3 here. Who got the final touch on that? It may well have been Callum Chambers, was it? Well, here's the comeback on here. We've had some extraordinary games between these two. We are set for a grandstand finish. So Arsenal's tail firmly wagging, but it wasn't enough, and Liverpool held on for a 4-3 victory on the opening weekend of the campaign. Let's get the reaction of Arsenal goalkeeper and skipper Peter Cech. Well, we had a great start of the game. I thought that we did very well in the first half. We, we were well organised, we, we controlled the game, we had, uh, we had a good uh, possession, that, which led to, to the penalty and a few opportunities. And then obviously uh, it was disappointing to, to have missed the penalty, but the, the reaction of the team, especially to Theo, was great because uh, two minutes later we, we finally broke through and I thought that uh, at that time we did very well. You know, they, they had few counter-attacks but not really big threat in the, in the first half. And the uh, second half uh, obviously changed the momentum because of the free kick in the last minute of the, of the first half. I thought they came, they come, they came out, uh, you know, with more ambitions and um, and they were more aggressive. But uh, I thought that uh, the problem was that we started very slowly second half, and then we got punished uh, for that in a, uh, from uh, from the Lalana goal. And uh, and obviously once we got behind, then I thought that um, we opened the game too quickly. We should have we should have. Uh, um, stay more organised, not to allow them so many counter-attacks, because obviously then they had three, four, five uh, counter-attacks, they managed to score goals, and, uh, and then that, at that point, obviously, it didn't look good, but uh, I like the reaction of the team when, uh, you know, when you're 4-0 down in the first opening game and uh, it goes wrong, you know, it's sometimes hard to find the, mm. the, um, the guts to, to do something with that, but we, we had a great reaction, we, had a, we, scored a, uh, we scored two goals and we had 15 minutes to, to find the equaliser, but, um, you know, in the big games, we, if you have uh, 
4-1 deficit, uh, it's difficult to come back. Peter Cech there, the Arsenal manager Arsene Wenger also spoke during his post-match media conference on where he felt the decisive moment in the game was which led to the Gunners' defeat. Of course, uh, we are bitterly disappointed because I feel that uh, it was a contrast between the two halves and uh, that uh, we lost this game for many reasons, but uh, some, one of them is psychologically just to be back to 1-1 at half-time and after the second one is that uh, physically we are not capable to maintain the level at the moment because uh, not all the players have the same level of preparation and uh, maybe as well we lacked a little bit experience although I think if you look well at the goal it's not necessarily the unexperienced players who cost us the goals today. Former Arsenal star David Hillier alongside our very own Dan Roebuck were on match day show duty. Here are their thoughts on Arsenal's defeat. David, obviously very disappointed here. Arsenal beaten by four goals to three. Can only get better though. Yeah, you, you shouldn't score three goals at home opening down the season to any side and, and lose. So massive disappointment. But you've got to give credit to Liverpool. For, um, from the way they came back into the game. Interesting as well to look at the stats and what Liverpool did that potentially Arsenal didn't today. Yeah, I think across Liverpool's front three, because it was kind of a false nine, um, Firmino not being an out-and-out centre-forward, more being like an attacking midfielder, they played almost three three people that could get into that position of being a forward. And all three people, um, Mane... Firmino and Coutinho, when the ball went into the box, they was able to get between themselves between the ball and the defender and retain possession. Arsenal struggled with that. They only had Alexis in there and, and really didn't get that. Lovren snuffed him out and, and so did um, the, the, the new signing, Claven. He, he kind of snuffed him out a bit, made it difficult. And it ended up with Liverpool having 12 shots from inside the box and Arsenal only having six. And I think that just forced Arsenal right back and... Liverpool were able to dominate the box more than Arsenal were able to dominate Liverpool, not sure. And it's a squad game these days, as we know, and fascinating to see Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain come on and make such a difference and score a brilliant individual goal. And Santi Cazorla as well, who weighed in with a couple of assists. Yeah, it's, it's all about getting yourself in the side. You know, normally it's a pre-season where you... Where you achieve the status where the manager thinks that you're ready to play and you're in front of people and that pecking order. But um, it, it can run into the season like it has today and you've seen two players come off of the bench and they would have put themselves forward for, for, for the next game. Um, Santi Cazorla, you can argue he could have, could have started the game. Arsenal got so many players in that position and Arsene Wenger went for a more defensive with El Nenny, I think, and Coquelin rather than playing Cazorla. And the impact Ox made, you know, it, it, he's put a good case forward for him starting the next game. So, positives in the game, definitely. Just disappointed, really, for the two central defenders because they didn't deserve to have four goals go past them on a, that little makeshift partnership that they've only had in place for a couple of days. Arsenal's Spanish left-back Nacho Monreal has certainly made that position his own in recent times with a string of consistent and highly accomplished performances. Here is Monreal talking about his summer and the pre-season training regime with the Arsenal Weekly podcast, Liam Roberts. We'll start off with, so it's the end of the season last season. How long does it take you to kind of get football out of your system to, to kind of relax? Well, uh, around four or five weeks. I didn't play, I didn't do nothing, just relax. Yep. And the last three, four weeks before coming back, 
is when, when I started to run, go to the gym, to do some sport with my friends, to come here with a good fitness. Okay, so in that, in that first kind of th uh, four or five weeks, yeah. you don't even worry about yeah. like fitness or running or anything like that? Yeah. My holidays, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Um, did you watch the Euros, European Championships? Did you stay mm -hmm. away? I watched some games because I couldn't watch more games because I got married, so I was traveling and... And I couldn't watch uh, too many games. The final, the semi-finals, yes, of course, I, I watched it. So you said you got married. Did you go home to get married? or? Yeah, I got married in, in Spain. And then I went uh, to California and to the French Polynesia. So you, went, so you went away to California on your own and then you went yes. back on tour as well? <coughs> exactly, yes. Okay, so did you yes. go back to... I was, I was in San Francisco and uh, with the team we were in... In San Jose is one hour far, and in Los, in Los Angeles, in LA. So I was with my wife and with the teammates. Nice. Um, so you say you got married. Um, was that a good distraction to keep you away from football? Yes. Yeah, yes, of course. It was a different summer for me, of course. Really good summer. And <clears throat> now we are here again, training and ready for, for the kickoff on next Sunday. Um, how long does it take you once you're back to kind of feel like you're ready again, to kind of get back to proper well, fitness? Probably I need around two, around two weeks. First week is really hard because we are not ready, we are not fit. But after one week is when, when you start to feel better and after two weeks is when you feel more or less uh, ready and we have a good uh, fit. Cool. That first training session back, how yeah. difficult is that? Just how difficult oh, is that? It's, it's hard. <laughs> it's really hard because it's like you, you can't breathe anytime. It's, it's complicated. But, well, the first day is, is just testings and controls, something like that. But in our second day, it's the first day out in the pitch. And obviously you feel tired. And, and then once the Premier League starts again, so you've had friendly matches, um, how long before you feel like you're back to like match sharpness and, and kind of how you felt towards the end of last season? How long does it take to get? Well, we need a couple of three weeks, more or less. Uh, we have played this preseason uh, five games. Obviously, the first two, even the, the first three games, uh, we don't feel 100% fit. Basically, we, we only play 45 minutes or something like that. Uh, but in the in the last two games is when when you when we feel ready we we play more time seventy minutes or even we can play the ninety minutes because we have a, a good fit and we are ready for for the next official game. And it's Adams put through by Bold. Would you believe it? Or Charlie George who can hit them? It's up for grabs now! Thomas! Right at the end! On August the 19th, 2006, the first competitive fixture took place here at Emirates Stadium as Arsenal took on Aston Villa in the Premier League. Well, things did not go according to plan early on, despite all the excitement, the history that was in the making and the hype and expectation, with Swedish defender Olaf Melberg putting the villains ahead. <laughs> Melbourne, who's in there? 
Such a poignant and historic day did not end in complete disappointment, though, with Arsenal's Brazilian midfielder Gilberto Silva salvaging the point. Cleb. Walker is still wide. Here's Theo Walker again. Looking for Van Persie. Chance for Gilberto! It's 1-1! And the Brazilian levels it at one each. But Walcott had a mighty hand to play. The deaf chip. And it fell to Gilberto. Ten years on from those historic events, we shouldn't forget as well that that match also marked Theo Walcott's debut for the club. We'll bring you another history lesson next week. But up next, it's the Arsenal Insider. Let's hear from another Arsenal Insider on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Well, I'm delighted to say that our Arsenal Insider this week is none other than the Daily Mirror's chief football writer, mate of mine and person, of course, very closely linked to the club, John Cross. Crossy, how's it going, mate? Yeah, very good, Russ. Nice to be with you. Summered well, I understand, which is good and ready and raring to go again. Yeah, it, it feels like the summer. I don't know quite where it went. Um, and uh, the football season back upon us. <laughs> never escape any drama, do we, in the Premier League in general. But um, but never never a quiet time at the MRT either, really. So nice to be back, even if results perhaps not going quite Arsenal's way at the moment. Yeah, we'll come on to that in a moment, but we were just hearing in the history lesson how you mentioned the Emirates, 10 years since this exalted complex opened. I happened to be there for the opening game covering it, Arsenal against Aston Villa. Uh, got the lovely little silver clock that the, the, the club very kindly gave to all assembled media who were there for that day. It's a, a great day and, and obviously, yeah, 10 years of this place now already. Yeah, it does feel as if it's gone very, very quickly, really. And I do remember sort of the... Um... Funnily enough, I think there was a memento actually for the final game at Harbury, that, that, that sort of kind of game against uh, Wigan, which which kind of had all that all that drama as, as Arsenal squeezed into the Champions League places on that final day, and um, and then the Emirates has just been, you know, one of Europe's sort of kind of super stadiums. I do think it took a while for Arsenal really to kind of find their feet and the fans to find their home. I do think, particularly in Europe and on sort of the big European nights, I do think that sort of the atmosphere has been decent and um, and kind of Arsenal fans getting used to it now after so many years at Highbury. And I think the, the adjustment with the Emirates is sort of kind of 10 years makes you just think, where has it all gone, really? And uh, there's been some wonderful games, wonderful occasions, really. And... Uh, uh, you like to think lots more in the future. If I was going to ask you to pick something out from the last 10 years here, that would be great. And also just to comment on on how groundbreaking this place still is, but but was at the time and the amount of other great stadia around the world that are, are based pretty much on this blueprint. Yeah, I do think that it, it is a sort of a groundbreaking stadium. I think it was clear that they basically wanted to move to a stadium to kind of really compete with the, with the super clubs. And that was obviously the club's philosophy at the time. And um, you know, moving into a sixty thousand stadium, um, and I, I do think it's sort of groundbreaking. I think the pitch is is fantastic as well. Um, I think you know, so many so many kind of fans come, and I think they're sort of kind of amazed by by the the, the, the kind of stadium and, and the sort of the, the theatre that they get to play in. Um, and I think that has brought some wonderful wonderful occasions. Really, uh, it's very difficult to kind of think of particular um, some highlights but there's been ama some amazing games I do think some of those games in, in, in Europe have been um, really quite memorable um, 
I think the sort of kind of some of the goals, I think the sort of the Jack Wilshere into play um, was fantastic. If you remember that goal against Norwich, that that was a wonderful goal. Yeah. Um, you know, sort of kind of the, the welcome that the sort of kind of that Mesut Ozil got, and and in his first season, I think that game against um, Napoli, which I still think remains one of his best performances in Arsenal shirt. I think that was that was a classic sort of European occasion. If you if you like really, in some of those North London derbies where, where Arsenal largely have dominated that fixture, um, I think sort of Arsenal having come from two goals down in one particular game, I think to to, to reign supreme was particularly good. And even the final game of last season was um, was good. And yeah, I was thinking that might be up there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Tottenham day, um, and it, it, it always just I think sort of kind of brings brings it home to you the size and scale of Arsenal uh, as a football club and um, and why I think sort of kind of fans you know sort of enjoy coming to them so much so John thanks for your thoughts on all of that um, let's move on if we can to as you alluded to at the start of you hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Joining us here on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast, which is your reaction to the opening game of the season. I was here yesterday covering it and... You know, some positivity for sure from the fact that Arsenal took it to Liverpool early on, took the lead, came back and got those two late goals as well. But um, obviously a lot to work on, on a fair few things that need to get sorted and sorted quickly too. Yeah, they do need to get sorted. I do think um, I do think there's a familiar sort of feeling, sort of almost Groundhog Day really, which is frustrating for Arsenal fans in that... Um, you know, the record in recent times on opening day fixtures is, is really poor, and I think that that's very um, frustrating. I think sort of Arsenal will point to sort of late returns and sort of you know uh, problems after after the Euros and whether players are sort of fully fit, um, and, and that is a frustration really. But I think to um, score three goals at home and still lose is pretty unprecedented. 
And I think, uh, you know, that that's the frustration. Arsenal really, to my mind, you know, I know they are in the market and have got to make some signings. I think that's the biggest annoyance and sort of frustration amongst the fans. I can understand why. I just, I just think you've kind of obviously got to be well prepared and ready for, for the start of the season. And it just really throws up next week, doesn't it, at, at Leicester, that, that game as well, in terms of that Leicester have had a disappointing opening day result as well. So all of a sudden that becomes quite a sort of kind of must-not-lose game already after, after two games. But the pressure for me, I think, this season is really comes from the arrival of kind of superstar managers, um, big clubs really spending huge and I think suddenly the kind of the focus is on sort of finishing, not just going for the title, but also finishing the top four. And I think Arsene Wenger pointed to it last at the back end of last week. I think it's never going to be harder um, to, to kind of really sort of try and win um, and then also finish in the top four. I do think it'll be an open title race, so it gives a lot of clubs a lot of heart. But at the same time, I do think the pressure and I kind of think the expectation... Um, and the difficulty levels will never be higher. And, and I think that's the challenge for Arsenal to come back after that huge disappointment and, and, and a really poor defensive display. What was strange for me, Crossy, was that I didn't really feel, particularly at the back, that any one individual player had a bad game. It was just the kind of the collective, and it's no major surprise when you look at the inexperience at centre-half from these young players who are making their way through the game. But even further up the field, maybe one or two exceptions, but each player in their own kind of entity is a good player and, and didn't let the side really down, which was which was kind of one of the odd things about Sunday. And with all of that in mind and players who came off the bench, others to come back into the squad who've had a gentle build-up post the Euros. Um, I just wonder what Arsene Wenger's going to do in, in light of who he's got here at the moment and, and what other transfers could be done and need to be done over the course of the next couple of weeks until August shuts. Well, to my mind, I think it's clear and I think it has been since the, the end of last season that they really need another striker. I think there's sort of kind of the injury to Danny Welbeck is massive, and I think a massive blow for Arsenal. And I do think they needed to to, to sort of address that. I do think uh, uh, a centre half as well, an experienced top quality centre half, is a must. Bearing in mind long longer term injuries to um, Murta Saka in particular and Gabriel, um, and I think that that's a worry. Um, and I do think he'll look to address that. I do still think that a centre half is more likely as a signing than a striker. Because I do think that kind of, well, you, you, you have to accept market forces and, and the new TV deal means that fees go through the roof. I still don't think if you don't rate a player in that sort of class, which is maybe he's thinking on, on someone like, for example, Lacassette, if you don't think he's worth sort of £50 million, well, you, you, you can't pay that, I don't think. And so kind of, especially if you think he's a bit of a compromise, because that would be the worst thing to do. I do think that the mantra is often kind of taken as a bit of an old cliche, but if you actually think about what it says about must sign better than we've already got, I think it is absolutely key to this. So if you sign a striker who's worse than, for example, Giroud, and don't forget Giroud started ahead and you know, got his place in the squad ahead of Lacazette, didn't even make the French squad for the Euros, then I do think you have to kind of bear that in mind. So it has to be someone that's good. I do think a centre-half is an absolute must. And I do think it's sort of kind of Arsenal fans will be disappointed that obviously the centre-half signing wasn't made in time for the first game of the season. Um, but I do think that's a, that's a must in terms of experience, in terms of proven quality, and someone who can improve that defence. I think it's going to be hard to, to, to get the striker in and um, at, at this stage because everyone knows that sort of 
you know, clubs are sort of desperate. They know the sort of the demands on the fees. But I do think as forward as sort of as, as far as the centre half goes, I do think that's an absolute must. And then I think Arsenal, you know, can have a decent season, but I fear it will be a long season if if they don't strengthen in those two particular areas and uh, particularly defensively. I think they look a bit vulnerable at the moment. And without speculating too wildly, you look at the options of maybe a, an experienced, older defender to come in and, and do a job potentially for a, a shorter period of time, the likes of maybe a Jeremy Mathieu or perhaps a, a slightly younger player who could be a real linchpin for years to come, maybe a Skodra Mustafi. I mean, these kind of players are being banded around as possibilities, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And look, I think there's definitely something Mustafi, certainly. I think if that's a deal that can be done, I think that's the one. Um, I think also there's certainly something in Johnny Evans um, from West Brom, and it's easy to forget that Johnny Evans actually played, you know, in sort of his vast Champions League experience, and played very successful Man United teams, and I think that that could be another option as well. And quite apart from that, yeah. And so I think that sort of Mustafi, I think if all things being equal. If sort of the clubs could agree, I think that's the most likely at that at this stage. But slightly worry about that is that it just seems to have been dragging on for a little while, which always means that perhaps you know there's there's one party, one side of the agreement that's not going completely to plan. Um, but I do think they're they're working on that one. Let's see whether they can sort of make that happen. But I think a defender will come in. I think there's an acceptance that they need to strengthen. But don't forget, obviously, that Murtasaka. I think he's into the final year of his contract now. I think Murtasak has been a great servant for Arsenal Football Club and obviously he's been rewarded with the captaincy to, to mark that. But um, it'll be interesting to see, obviously, he's out sort of kind of, you know, four months. So that's a, that's a huge blow. So I think it'll be interesting to see if they could bring someone in who's sort of kind of got proven quality to kind of bridge that gap. Because Arsenal miss Murtasak for his leadership qualities when he's not playing. And I think someone you know, kind of like a Mustafi, who's obviously kind of got good pedigree, um, been to major tournaments now, played at a good level, um, then I think that that could be a, a longer-term option and perhaps someone who could be seen as a natural successor to a, to a good figure like Murtasak and play alongside um, Koscielny, who's obviously absolutely top class as a, as a centre-half. And one of the key reasons, I think, was his absence against Liverpool as to why Arsenal looked so vulnerable and weak at the back. Let's conclude with some rapid-fire questions, Crossy. So a sentence maximum for each of the four following things, please, as we put the spotlight mm. on you. Number one, will Tuba Akpom go out on loan? Only if Arsenal sign another striker. So yes or no? Uh, <laughs> sitting firmly on the fence there. My guess would be no. OK. How many more players will be bought in to Arsenal before the closure of the summer transfer window? I suspect only one, and that will be a defender. And if I was a betting man, I'd say Mustafi. OK, well, that ties in with your first answer as well. Fair enough. Name a team you think Arsenal will be drawn against in the Champions League group stages that's coming up. I think that, I think Arsenal will get a big gun. They, they generally do. So who would bet against a, um, a top seed like a Bayern Munich? They Oof. generally get Bayern Munich. Oof. <laughs> Gosh, again. Oh, oh. Uh, and finally, your score prediction. We're going to talk about this more in detail with Adrian Clark in a moment. Your score prediction for the Leicester City game coming up next. I think it will be a tight game, a really tough game. And I think it will be Leicester 1, Arsenal 1.
For what it's worth, I reckon Arsenal might just edge it. There again, I predicted they'd edge it against Liverpool, so what do I know? But Crossy, thank you very much indeed for coming back on the show, my friend. A pleasure, and uh, we'll catch you, I'm sure, in a few weeks' time here on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much for having us. Questions at the ready? It's Clarky's Chalkboard. Well, I'm delighted to say that Adrian Clark joins me for the chalkboard. It's second running on this season of the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Clarkie, how are you getting on, mate? Yeah, all right. We made it to week two, then. That's we a have. success. Yes, exactly. And your golf is on the up, I hear. Uh, just, yeah, just. I did get a birdie, which is a very, very rare treat. So, um, so that's good. Unfortunately, Arsenal, Arsenal didn't didn't get off to the fly we hoped. Yeah, not too many birdies for them this weekend, but that will hopefully all improve. We'll start with this week's question on the chalkboard. Mm. What is Theo? Walcott's most dangerous position? I think this is actually quite an easy question because we've seen it over the last two weeks. It's coming in from that right-hand side. I think when he times his runs to perfection, when his teammates are in tune with him, and of course when the opposition maybe leave that little bit of a hole for him to run into, he is virtually unplayable. He is magnificent coming in from that right-hand side. He needs to have a little bit more confidence in himself doing it. Um, he can play striker. We saw him do that against Leicester last year to good effect. But consistently, he isn't able to hold the ball up in the way that, that other strikers do. So, for me, start him off the right and get him driving inside the full-backs. So, is this then a combination of confidence, consistency fitness and also just those who are around him and fitting into the right system with the right players as well? Yeah, you need the guys that can provide the ammunition. You need players like Mesut Ozil. I think Granit Xhaka will be terrific in this regard. I think he's got the ability to slide passes in between centre-backs and full-backs. And it needs a little bit of intelligence, football intelligence, from Theo Walcott himself to bend his runs at the right moment, not to go too early. It's all about timing, but it's something he's been doing for a number of years now. Um, um, and when he gets it right, invariably, he does score. So, Leicester City, next up, the teams that were first and second in last season's table and neither off to an ideal <laughs> no, start. Um, Leicester, what do you think they can or what's the maximum they will achieve this season? I think it's going to be hard for them. I think they're capable of being top six again, but based on what... We saw of them at the weekend. I, I watched their game in its entirety and they were really below par. They didn't play with the same intensity. They didn't work as a team, which was the hallmark of their success last season. And their, and their back four looked uh, decidedly ropey, I've got to say. So um, they will have to improve. I think they will. They've still got good players. They've still got great characters. So um, top half, I would expect, but I don't think they're going to break into the top six. If, if I was a betting man, I wouldn't bet on them. Yeah, I covered them the week before at the Community Shield. and The work rate there, I felt, was good, but there's definitely something not quite there compared to what we saw last season. I wonder if a very, very different pre-season for them this time as champions and going around the world and playing completely different teams at completely different times to normal may have played a bit wouldn't of a Wouldn't have role. helped. Definitely wouldn't have helped. Um, although it's good to challenge yourself against top players. Confidence-wise, I think they've had one or two knocks in pre-season. They were absolutely battered by Barcelona at times during in that particular friendly. Um, they, they, they were thrashed by PSG as well. Maybe they've come into this season just feeling a little bit shy on confidence that where, where that wasn't the case before. They also, of course, miss N'Golo Kante. He was just outstanding for them and he will be sorely missed. Should have played Viking, shouldn't they, to build up <laughs> their confidence instead? Um, so, give me one of our traditional questions, mm. uh, a key battleground. Oh, goodness me. I think... Um, 
you have to look at Jamie Vardy. I think you have to because he had an off day um, last weekend, but he is still their talisman. Um, you could talk about Ahmed Musa as well, but it would be the centre-half, and I'm expecting Lauren Koscielny to come back into the team. So I'm looking at that battle between Jamie Vardy and Lauren Koscielny. Is Koscielny ready and up to speed to handle him? I think... It's vital that Koscielny gets support from his nearest fullback, and that's more than likely to be Nacho Monreal. I don't want to see Nacho flying forward, leaving holes for Vardy to run into and have foot races with Koscielny. If, if, if that happens, then Arsenal might be in bother. And someone like Riyad Mahrez pinging a pass in that regard would be a big concern. A man whose future we're not entirely sure about still and linked to various places, may I say. Yeah, he has been linked, um, yeah, linked with here, hasn't he? And uh, look, He's a quality footballer, I really like him. And um, You just wonder whether his appetite has dipped a little bit with all this um, transfer rumours doing their rounds. He, he certainly wasn't at his best last time out. Yeah, when he cuts inside on his left foot and looks to slide those passes into Vardy and Musa, Arsenal need to be extremely careful. Um, they need to get their distances right, not leave too much space in behind them um, because Leicester have the players to hurt us. Before we introduce a new segment in a second <laughs> wow. to conclude the chalkboard. I will finish on familiar territory. Mm. In a sentence, Adrian Clark, how do you beat Leicester? Well, based on what I saw of them last weekend, the way to beat Leicester is to get at their back four and do things that their back four do not enjoy, and that is players running with the ball and showing excellent movement. Morgan and Hernandez, or Huth if he comes back in, the fullbacks too, they don't like players running at them and making little clever runs off of them. That's the positions that Arsenal need to get themselves into. And I think if they do, they'll, they'll score goals in this game. And we did see signs of that in the more positive parts of the Liverpool game. That was one thing that Arsenal didn't necessarily struggle with much. No, yeah, it wasn't completely fluent as an attacking force, Arsenal, in, in that game. But um, it's something, it's one of our strong suits. And I expect that to improve as the weeks go by. Yeah, if we can get at those defenders, um, slide little passes into the box, I can see it. We scored three on the opening day, I could see us scoring another three. Well, thank you for that, Adrian. And, as promised, it is time for the much-vaunted new feature in a voice we often hear on the Arsenal Weekly podcast, sometimes screaming in our ear when we've gone wrong, sometimes, <laughs> obviously, when he's interviewing various great and good to do with the club. It is producer Liam. Yeah. OK, guys, I think we're going to have an old-fashioned prediction competition. Okay. I think there's enough competitiveness in this, in this little <laughs> segment. It's a bit too nice for my liking, so... We're going to have a prediction competition. I know both of you. Neither of you are particularly good at it. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's going to be a no uh, we're, we're not good losers either. Well, that's, someone, someone's got to lose this. There's going to be no draws. <laughs> prediction competition, no skill prediction. I'm going to ask you something every week. Prediction for the upcoming game. You're going to be a, give me an answer. Three points if you get it right. One point if neither of you gets it right. Next person along. This week, Leicester versus Arsenal. I want to know, no skill at all, who will be the first Arsenal player to touch the ball? Can I just say, no skill, I think that will suit you, Russ. Ooh, I'm not sure. <laughs> not sure. I've saw a couple of five appearances for the club. I don't know. Hey, nine, I have you know. Um, who's going? Can I go first? You can go first. Uh, yeah, I'll go. Well, um, I'm going I'm to bank on Leicester taking the kickoff in this one, and they're going to. They're going to thump an angled pass. Danny Drinkwater's going to thump an angled pass to the head of Hector Bellerin, and he's going to touch the ball first. That's where I'm going with this. Okay, Hector Bellerin for Adrian. Russ. After a dynamic display off the bench against Liverpool, 
restored to the starting 11, heartbeat of the team that gets it all underway. When Arsenal get the kickoff, Santi Cazorla. OK, so, as I said, it'll be three points. If either of you get this correct, three points for the win. Neither of you get it correct, which I think might happen quite a bit this season. <laughs> it'll be the nearest person. So, if Santi touches it the third or fourth time, it'll be Russ. And what's the prize? Well, this is what we have to decide. There's got to be some kind of wager, a friendly wager. I don't know if you've got any suggestions. <laughs> OK, so this is whoever has come second in a two-man race Maybe by the some end kind of, of the Yeah, season. I mean, Russ doesn't need the money. Look, he doesn't, he doesn't need the cash. So, <laughs> I think, I th you know, I think we should probably have some kind of forfeit, I would imagine. So, okay. um, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe we should put it in the hands of the, of the listeners. Um, Hashtag Arsenal Weekly. <laughs> yeah. I've got a suggestion. Go on. Whoever loses has to look after both sets of both mine and your children <laughs> while the other person goes off to do what they want and both wives can go off and do what they want. Wow, OK, that is... Uh, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a big ask. And I don't know if you'd be right to trust me with it. But I'll take it on. Um, yeah, OK, I, I could suggest... The, the winner takes over the social media account of the loser for a day and, um, yeah, they can say whatever they want, um, which is a bit of a, bit of a gamble, I would imagine. Is this where Atros underscore Hargreaves suddenly comes out with some very, very controversial ideas? It could happen. Um, but, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see how it goes, eh? OK, so we'll put it out to listeners. If you like any of them suggestions, hashtag Arsenal Weekly. If you've got another suggestion, put it forward to us and we'll finalise this. I think by the end of September, we'll have uh, a couple of forfeits. And, a couple uh, of forfeits? A couple of oh. forfeits. No. <laughs> they didn't yeah. say that, did they? <laughs> and may the best man win. Yeah, game on. Clarky, best of luck. Handshake there for our <laughs> listeners who will be unaware, of course. So, Adrian, all of that aside, back to his day job in the chair from 5pm on Saturday for the Match Day Show with Nigel Winterburn this week for all the build-up on Arsenal.com and, of course, the Arsenal mobile app as well. Clarky, good work. Yeah, look forward to it. That's full time on this week's show. Our thanks to Nacho Monreal, to John Cross, and of course to Adrian Clark for their time today. Don't forget you can subscribe to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast on iTunes. Please leave us a five-star review in the process, and then you'll never miss another episode. And of course, you can find us now on Acast as well. We're back on Monday, the 22nd of August, and until then, it's bye for now. And come on, you gunners. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.